Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. It's the June wrap-up. Before we get to uh, doing the wrap-up with Jonathan Storman, let me remind you, uh, we're taking the month of July off, so we uh, will be back in a month. Just taking a break. You know, just it's been a couple hundred episodes. Need to take a month off. Haven't done that in a while. And uh, or ever, and by a while I mean ever. So I'm going to do that, and then we'll hit it strong back in August. Got a lot of good stuff lined up. I'll tell you more about that at the end of the show. But first, before we start the wrap up, uh, let me tell you about E3, our sponsor for this month, with my good friend Sally Gary. Here she is. Hi, Luke. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. I just got back from Malibu, so I'm I'm doing great. That's remember that time we did a podcast in Malibu. I do at your uh, B and B out there. Yeah, exactly. I- yeah, that was – so thanks for bringing that up. Thanks for inviting me this time to come to Malibu with you. How come you didn't think about taking me out there? Hey, you know, I, I'm staying in a dorm at Malibu. I didn't get a and b so okay. there's some trade-off there. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, okay, so the E3 conference coming up October 4th through 7th. We, yes. we kick it off Thursday night with what? What yes. is the very first night's event? The very first night you'll hear from Pat Bills, mm-hmm. uh, my pastor at Highland Oaks Church, uh, who's uh, hosting the conference. And then we have none other than uh, Newsworthy with Norsworthy doing a podcast with Justin Lee. Exactly. I am so excited that Justin is going to be able to join us. He's the author of Torn and has a new book coming out, uh, Talking Across the Divide, helping uh, churches uh, have better uh, conversations about uh, things that we don't necessarily agree on. Okay, so what made you want to bring Justin out? What made you think he was the perfect voice to have at uh, oh, E3? Justin has a, a tremendous heart for uh, both LGBT Christians and church leaders. He uh, has a heart for working with churches and taking baby steps toward uh, becoming more open and welcoming and inclusive. Mm -hmm. And yet he has provided a safe place for those of us in the LGBTQ community for a long, long time, uh, beginning with the Gay Christian Network Mm -hmm. uh, that he started back in the early 2000s. I just love him. I love his heart. And uh, he has a heart for God. Uh, but he has a heart for uh, people whom we have really alienated from church. Hmm. Well, I have never read his book, I'm going to be honest, but I have plenty of time to do that, and I look forward to meeting him. I've heard a lot of good things about him. I was actually just talking with one of my coworkers who was just reading through Torn and uh, was saying it's a good book. So I look forward to meeting him. Uh, who else do we have out? Uh, Don McLaughlin, isn't he going to be there? Yes, Don McLaughlin from Atlanta will be there. And actually, Don will have a a conversation with Justin. We're going to have a a, a sort of an intersectionality panel talking about race and sexuality. Um, Hmm. Don has done a lot of racial reconciliation work uh, there in Atlanta and across the nation. Uh, He was recently with Bernice King in Memphis to commemorate Dr. King's, uh, the 50th anniversary of his death. And so Don uh, will be a great moderator as we listen to how African-American churches, predominantly African-American churches, are still really wrestling with a lot of homophobia and how we can help uh, get rid of that. That is a fascinating conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So who else is on that panel? Uh, Well, some former students of mine from Abilene Christian and uh, some African-American church leaders uh, from around the country. Well, that's I'm not saying it's going to be as good as the one I'm going to do, but it sounds way better, honestly. So uh, I'm that's that's a great conversation. Now, I I don't know if I told you, Sally, but um, I got an intern this summer and I was literally just telling intern that he should come to this conference because it's a, like it's an important conversation that anyone who's ever thinking about going to ministry should go into. Do you got a hookup for the uh, the old college kids these days? Oh, yes, I do. I have a great heart for college students. I want a lot of college students there, so we're going to give you a discount on registration. It's only $25 for college students to register. You come, we're going to feed you. Uh, we'll help you get hooked up uh, with a place to stay if that's a, a problem. Whatever it takes to get you there, I want college students there. Wow. Well, I I was at this um, last year, and mm-hmm. it was a good event. I'm I'm encouraged that this is something that you're. Is this kind of like a yearly thing that you plan on doing for a while? I mean, 
Where do you see that? Actually, it's, it's every other year. So we're, we're planning to do it in odd-numbered years. It was 2016. But, what, wait, it wasn't uh, last year? Uh, no. It just see, it was so fun. good. It seemed like it was just the other day. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's this year, and then it'll be again in 2020. Huh. So uh, you don't want to miss it because no. you'll have to wait two years for the next one. Yeah, it's like uh, the Olympics, but half as much time in between. <laughs> that's right. And it's so good that you'll think it happened just last year, but it's really been two years. So That's right. Anyway, well, Sally, thank you so much. E3 Conference, October 4th to the 7th in Dallas, Texas. For more information, click on the show notes. We'll get you over to your website. Sally, much thanks. Yes. Thank you, Luke. Bye-bye. All right, friends, welcome back to the show. Get ready for some awesome. There it is. There it is. The last time Jonathan Storman is going to be recording from his Highland Church of Christ office in Abilene, Texas. And in honor of that, you're wearing a black V-neck. Plow right through with him? Yes. You're wearing a black (laughs) V-neck to match. I have one black V-neck, and I'm wearing it because I'm busy packing up books and stuff. and. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the shirt that I'm okay getting like really sweaty and dirty and mm-hmm. um, just like basically I do as what? someone who does the Lord's work, I don't mind getting sweaty and dirty every day for the Lord. What's your definition of the Lord's work uh, that's causing you to get sweaty and dirty? I'd like to hear well, that. Well, like l- last night I got a haircut <laughs> on <laughs> and so like there's like some hair and stuff I got on it, but I'm doing that so I could preach well, but you know, that's probably it. Like, hey, I would like to um, just point out that your Instagram stories are in are getting increasingly vain. What are you talking about? Just, no. Oh no, just yes, Wh- totally. What? Um, here, here are pictures of me preaching and the different postures that I use while preaching. Oh. What do you think? <laughs> That's not. It was a funny, like whatever, whatever. If you if you don't have a sense of humor, I guess you don't appreciate that. And. Yeah, no, that's it. It's it, it's my lack of humor that causes me to think, yeah. oh, Luke, we're going to have to work on that. Are we going to have to fast from mirrors again? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. This is not about me. Today's not about me. It's about you. I mean, this is your last day in the office. I feel like we need to, like, celebrate that. And you got Pinson nearby? Matt Pinson? Yeah, yeah. One of my best friends um, in ministry. We actually all work together. We did. Matt Pinson is here because he pointed out that you have never. We're gonna fix that. Invited him on this podcast. Well, l- put him on. Put him and, on. Let's fix this right now. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I won't be able to hear what you're saying because he's gonna have the headphones on. And because we're using big okay. words. <laughs> you said and because we're using big words. All right. So this is Matt Pinson, who is the... hello. Hello, Matthew Pinson. And in your defense, I've never done anything of note. No, that's to, that's to give you a reason to invite me on a podcast. That you're always welcome because you're the man. Like who, uh, anytime Storm has something mildly engaging or entertaining to say, you've probably given that to him. It's at least come through me. It's at least come through my filter. You you've been writing his jokes since well, he was back in twelve yeah, years. Twelve years. What do you think is going to happen to his stories when he moves? I think Pleasant Valley is going to have some concerns <laughs> <laughs> the first few weeks. What? Well, at least until he's done reciting <laughs> sermons. <laughs> what, what are you going to miss most about uh, Jonathan no longer being in the office with you? Man, you know, I, I like the idea of getting to do uh, comedy through somebody because it's very low risk for me. <laughs> if he tells a joke and it hits... Yeah. Then I can elbow the person next to me and be like, that was mine. I said that. Mm-hmm. But if he tells one and nothing and it plays to crickets, then I can just sit back and hey, what was the he gets to take the heat for it. Give him some crickets. What are some crickets? Oh gosh, I don't know. Uh, you probably remember those. Let's talk, yeah. let's talk about... I definitely remember the feeling of falling. Let's talk about the percentage of crickets. <laughs> what percent of the jokes that you've written does he botch and make them not funny? <laughs> I'm going to say, let's say 60%. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, God, that's an unprofessional elbow hitting the table. That's my bad. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to say 60% of those uh, jokes fall flat. And and we can't put that all on Jonathan. 
Some of that's in the writing. But like we would put most of it on him though, right? I mean, that's not. I'll put most of yeah. it on him. Well, <laughs> I'm not getting it. I'm not. He's not mentioning me at the end of each sermon or anything. <laughs> like these jokes provided by. I don't, I don't get any of the credits. So I'm not going to take any of. Yeah, the you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Well, I I'm curious to see what happens when he's writing without you because in a lot of ways. The, the best material he has came through you. And, uh, <laughs> For sure. you know, you're like the silent partner. None of, none of the theological material has come from me. Uh, Ironically, that's the very same thing his uh, Bible professors say as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Matthew. My name's not Andy Stanley or Rob Bell. No. Or... <laughs> that's so true. Who's the G.K. Chesterton? <laughs> yeah. Well,. Matt, you will be in our thoughts and prayers as you transition to uh, life without Stormont. I appreciate it. I'll need it. Yes. Well. All right. Let me give you back to your uh, monthly wrap-up partner. All right. So what, one of the stories I've got to tell about Jonathan is something that I heard happen in the last elders meeting. They, uh, the elders at Highland invited Jonathan and family to be in the room, and then Samuel, who is one of his 11 kids, uh, said— <laughs> In uh, expressing his gratitude for the way that they've helped support you, he said, and I quote, it takes a village to move an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) He had a lot better timing than that. (laughs) But he did. There's probably 50 people in the room. We're at the center of it. They're trying to bless us. And Sam just goes right in that. Yeah. Yeah. Can't make this stuff up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you can see he's anti-moving yeah, it's, at this point. It, uh, it definitely uh, sounds like that. But you had your last Sunday just a couple days ago, and mm-hmm. how was it? Hard and good. Um, it was a man Highland loved on us, as you would imagine, and actually did this really cool thing where they uh, – you know, the prayers of the people that yep. we do, they turn that into dormant family blessings. And so a lot of the church just got up and wrote affirmations and, you know, encouragement. And then they gave us this like old restored wooden box hmm. to take it with us. And I love it. I mean, it's, um, anyway, I, I am going to treasure those notes forever because in some ways, you know, the the past eight years were the most risky. You know, to hire a 29-year-old is a very a risky move. And um, I feel like I've got a, a Ph.D. in ministry at this point. Just not an actual paper. But, <laughs> <laughs> but for real, like uh, just the people that I've been able to spend time with, bounce ideas off of, grow from. I feel like my ministry toolbox has grown a lot just in being a practitioner for the last eight years around um, professional thinkers. And um, so, I, I mean, I, I feel like I've almost graduated. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it, it's a feeling akin to that. And, but also feeling like you're leaving family and it's, but they've been super supportive and um, yeah, this is my, Last day or so in the office, and so it's really surreal. Now, okay, so LeBron James, who's probably going to leave Cleveland and go to the Lakers uh, in a couple of days. but So he's from Akron, drafted by the Cavs, plays there for eight years or something like that. And then he becomes a free agent, goes to Miami, goes down there, wins a couple championships, and then comes back home. And he's talked about his time in Miami as the equivalent of college for him. That he went away, hmm. learned from Pat Riley, a very successful organization, uh, went to the NBA Finals multiple times, and then he came back home mm-hmm. with this like lost to the Mavs. Yeah, that, yes, lost to the Mavs as well. <clears throat> but he talked about that as like like the college room, like it, it educated him on what it took to be champion. It educated him what it meant for him to do his craft. Like in some ways, you're going back home now. You've had these experiences, and like I'm not. Yeah. Saying you're LeBron James, I want that to be very clear. You're not the pre- or that our Little Rock is Cleveland. Yeah, I don't want to put. Yeah, I don't want to say that about Cleveland. But um, <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, there's something like you've gained these experiences and you're coming back home right now. I think that. No, I actually LeBron James has been somebody I thought about a lot. For one, because every year I've been at Highland, he's been in the finals every single year. 
Yep, that's, that's um, true. So, uh, and then also when he when he went to Miami, oh, man, I hated that. I hated. It. I thought this is what's wrong with professional basketball and professional sports. But when he went home, I mean, something. I actually tweeted that day, the day that he, you know, just a kid from Akron, um, when he did mm-hmm. that, I tweeted, uh, are all are all sad things going to come untrue now? Because I was just so impressed by mm-hmm. that. Like, there's a lot of places you can go with your gifts and talents and to take them to uh, take them home. I love it. But in, in some ways, you know, I, I've never done ministry in the sense of like full-time church work in anywhere but texas so in some ways it's weird because you know i think i feel like we're going to have that when a missionary returns syndrome having two homes you don't don't feel at home in either one you know the that kind of that kind of stuff because my whole life has been in uh, large churches in texas my whole adult life and um Anyway, so I, it's just a pretty cool kind of adventurous season that we're yeah. in. Like, what is what comes next? What's it going to look like? And that'll be yeah. I'm excited anyway. to hear how it goes. And uh, when we come back, I guess well, obviously we're not going to do July wrap up because taking the month of July off from the podcast. But when we come back in August, you'll have been there for a while. When's your first sermon at Pleasant Valley? Uh, July 29th. Okay. So we'll have a month of Arkansas. We'll get an update. And I know we'll be excited to hear what happens. I know you, you were telling me other uh, the other day on the phone that uh, uh, some people from Highland got to listen to the podcast and hear kind of you talk more about rationale for why you're going home and to get really a feel for like why you're making this decision and kind of pulled it together a little bit, made, made some sense to them as to why you're going there. Yeah, you know, everybody's we're humans are meaning making creatures, meaning making creatures, and so whenever there's a gap between like what you're expecting and what happens, you fill that gap with a story. And yep. So uh, we we had a good friend come up to Leslie and say something like, "Is there some somebody asked me if there was a scandal?" And and Leslie was, and and she was like, I, "I I told him I didn't think so." And Leslie was like, "You know us. There's no scandal." What are you talking about? What do you think? What what scandal? What do you think the thing that's most likely to be the scandal that you commit? Where where would we see that? Um, oh, gosh. I think the best probably going to happen on this podcast. No, I think it, it it's revealed that you actually um have been writing Rob Bell sermons. That's that you wrote a, the Leviticus study for him. I think that's the most likely thing to come out. Dude, have you listened to that Leviticus no, stuff I haven't. yet? I'll tell you, for 15 years, I have been emailing Mars Hill trying to get them to sell me his original Leviticus stuff. I've probably done it five or six times because I was always fascinated by that. You should totally do a podcast with Rob Bell about blood, guts, and fire. I've been listening to it. I think it's his, uh, I think what he's doing now with like his latest How to Read the Bible book and um, the Leviticus. Bible commentary just dropped is kind of warming up and dusting his off old stuff, old material. Yeah, and man, I love his old material. Hmm. Like, okay, well, I had another friend who said he listened to it and said it was great. And it is, it's good. I've always been fascinated by the idea that you plan a church with a year's worth of Leviticus series, yeah. and I can see how it would. All right, work. well, I've got a road trip to summer to Florida. Maybe I'll uh, take that with me. Who knows? Anyway. Um, cool. When are you going to Florida? Just for all the burglars out there. Yeah, that's funny. No. Um, <laughs> You're going to answer. No. I'm, okay, what happened was your <laughs> Highland internet, which is so exquisite, surprisingly cut out, so I didn't know exactly what you said, um, which is a reminder that we're... We give that money to the poor. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that we're not running on, you know, straight up astronaut internet like you, but... <laughs> Why did you say we? You're not even a part of the church anymore. You're for two more days, they. buddy. Two they. more days. I can't wait for you to be gone. No, I didn't mean that. Like I, I think they, what they're saying, like they're just trying to get the office cleaned up because they've got guest speakers coming in and they want it to look nice. Is that why they keep coming yeah. in? Uh, okay. Yeah. 
Do you know one of the weird things about leaving a church is that you feel like you're haunting the place at this point, like you're a ghost. Yeah. Oh, hey, you're still yeah. here. I feel like some okay. people probably thought that for the last couple of years with you there, but I don't know. Um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, okay, we got some podcasts to talk about. Um, let's do it. Let's do. Um, what are you going to start with? Let's start with. Uh, so we've got Austin Channing Brown, whose book I'm still here. Uh, we discussed uh, Suzanne Stabile was back talking Enneagram. Um, Meryl Wade from across the street at St. Matthew's, my neighbor, came over. We mm-hmm. did the thing, and. Um, Ronald Rollheiser returned to the show to talk about his new book, Wrestling with God. You love yourself some Ronald Rollheiser. I Rollheiser. really do. Do you not like him? Is that... Man, I, I, I do like him. Um, the I, I've liked both podcasts you've done. I remember trying to get into Holy Longing like 15 years ago or 13 years ago or whatever. And uh, just not quite liking it as much as other people so i'll put it down after a couple of chapters but every time i hear a podcast i think i should i should give him another try yeah because he had some great I, stuff i think it's brilliant i had a bit in my sermon that i was ripped directly from that book of his um about how we we never get the full symphony which i think is just a beautiful picture that he, he has. oh yeah that is and great so good <clears throat> i think his you know his stuff on that, well, even that, it, it kind of dotted through this, but it reminded me of the Christians make the best atheist stuff and idolatry. Like the problem that um, the problem that we have is we don't recognize idolatries everywhere, and you can tell an idol by it whispering, "You can have the full symphony." Yeah. If you if you if you do this, I'll give you the world. I'll give you everything, yeah. including religious idols, mm-hmm. right? You can figure God completely out. Mm. You can have the perfect life. You know, and... Um, <clears throat> That's so true. Yeah, I mean, I, he just talked a lot about idolatry, um, and yeah, he used the language of it and made me think of the stuff that we had we had done there, which, by the way, happy anniversary. Yeah, wasn't it uh, this time last year we were walking around Athens? On a plane to Greece? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah, were we already there? That, that was a good trip. That was, that was a lot of fun. Those were like sixteen-hour days. Yeah. That was a lot of work that that time. But um, and a lot of gyros. And yeah, or as I pronounced it the first time, gyro. To which I, I you did, you did. You I didn't totally think through did. that one. But anyway, um, okay. Stupid American. Yeah. For once, they said that about me. Uh, Ronald Rollheiser, though, the reason I like him so much is because to use uh, Kron's like Ian's language. It, like it's the Catholic imagination, and I think the way that he can mm-hmm. so oh, poetically yeah, right. describe something that is truly indescribable. Like you, you can't reduce God. I mean, the way that we understand God is Trinity. How do you explain Trinity? You you, you can't. And at least in the religious world that I grew up in, there was a constant temptation to reduce God to what you could describe, and God had to be something that you could put under a microscope, that you could explain away, that you could rationalize, and so you had these, you know, five clear steps, and then you had these three basic principles, and then you had, this is what you're supposed to do every day, and it's, it's a really good set of training wheels, but the problem is, God can't be reduced to that, and it's the Catholic imagination that gave me another breath of fresh air that kind of like got my faith going because it, it made sense to the to the frustration I constantly kept running into with this sort of narrow, you know, very rigid let's let's explain it away sort of faith. Yeah, no, I get it. And I like this term that his phrase, I think I'll use it, um dark knowledge, what the mystics call dark yeah. knowledge. Yeah. Which is why Rainy Harris is actually pretty good at this. And Pete Rollins. Yeah. The the God is not yeah. move. God is not like this. God is not like that. And um, yeah, what is that? The, the apophatic versus the cataphatic. I think the language yeah. you talk about it. Apophatic is is the God yeah. is not right. Uh, uh, sure, I believe that. But but I've got a PhD. Yeah, yeah, you, so yeah, you really do. Uh, but his stuff about like God ineffable, like that doesn't. That was not early Christianity for me, and I needed that. And he he does that so well, right? And Anyway, yeah, it, uh, I really like that stuff. And his stuff about... It, did he have a new book coming yeah. out? <laughs> the whole thing was, a, what it, was yeah. about the new book. 
res- was, uh, know, wrestling with God. Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, it came out a few weeks ago. I was listening. I was packing a lot yeah. of boxes it's called, of books. It's called Wrestling time, so. with God. And honestly, all, the only reason I knew about it is because uh, Aaron Nequist tweeted about it. And I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to do that book because need to. He had a bit about um, this relationship he had with some, like a Baptist person. And he wrote this bit in a sermon about how um, he calls him a fellow Christian body of, uh, brother of Christ in the body of Christ whom we have been separated for 500 years because of a misunderstanding. I, I really value that. Like, that sort of understanding. Like, there are misunderstandings. There are things that are different, but we all are still part of the body of Christ. And, and he, he gave me an aha moment talking about that right after that when he said, um, and this is true in, across the country with our politics right now, both parties are talking exclusively about what they have and, and different. And honestly, between Republicans and Democrats, think about, what do you, what do you think? 75% of what they hold dearly overlaps greatly with hmm. one another. You know what I mean? It's the 25% that is all you hear about because it's, you know, I mean, Democrats want a good economy. Democrats want hmm. jobs. You know what I'm saying? Um, the But it, the difference is, like, how you go about getting it. Like, they're, everyone's... Right, it's yeah. strategy, but you have shared values. Part, yeah. Yeah, you know, really. and... And that's one of the things I think we lose sight of, and you know, it's why both of us have worked at very politically diverse churches, and uh, why we think that communion is important to center. Yeah, that pulls us back. Each other. That there's yeah. a, there's another option for this divided world, and uh, unfortunately, when the speak speaking of what? No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I wanted to I wanted to uh, talk about Austin because I'm going to a church in Little Rock, which is. Uh, 50% white and 50% black city, and they really care about, but would would say they're not good at racial reconciliation. Did you, did you do the and Don so, McLaughlin line? Are you not good at it because you don't care about it? Or are you, wait, is that what he said? Did you yeah, do that something line? Like that, I I I did something like that, but I wasn't as uppity because I'm not very good at it either. I mean, Don was actually good at it, so he could say say that, but it was more a Hey, this is really important to me. Is it really important to you? And and they said yes. Pleasant Valley cares a lot about it, gets it, um, but just you know doesn't know how to be um, racially diverse. And yeah. so I was interested and grateful for Austin's yeah, book. Yeah, I, I think and and the interview. What Austin does in her book is obviously just tell her story, and it's. This is my experience. This is what I went through. This is what it's like for me. These are the questions I'm asking. This is the things that I thought as a kid and trying to understand what does it mean for me to be a black kid? And I grew up around a lot of white people. Am I really black? Am I not? Like all these things that if you can't simply understand where someone's coming from and their story and their experience, there's no ability to have a relationship if you don't at least do that very first step. Yeah. Right. I I am um, one of the parts of that podcast that I found interesting and challenging is the part we all were talking about like black anger yeah. because I don't know what as a Christian to do with anger. Hmm. You know, it seems like there is a, there's a place for it in the Bible, obviously. Um, but the majority of the time it's mentioned, it's mentioned negatively mm-hmm. in the Bible and um, the, the, just what, what do you do? With how do you how do you make sure your anger? This is a question I would I would honestly like to know the answer to it because I get angry. I mean, I see injustice, I I get angry. Um, I feel injustice towards me and my family or something. I, obviously, I would I'd be very angry. Um, <clears throat> but what do you do to make sure your anger is is uh, free of pride? Because I think a righteous anger. You know, Jesus gets angry. Righteous anger, it, it's, it's like rocket fuel. It gets you to do stuff you would never have had the courage to do before. And I'm grateful for that. Um, how do you do it with, in a way that leads to restoration and healing and the writings of wrongs? And so here's a great example. like Because I think um, human history is littered with people who had uh, really legitimate grievances. And they took their anger... And they became the oppressors. 
You know, like it's just, it's, that's what happens in all these developing countries. When a tyrant gets toppled, a new tyrant rises from the revolting party. And you know what I'm saying? So like a gospel example of South Africa of actually, you know, racial reconciliation. And there was anger and they dealt with it fully. And I do, I think, you know, Beck's been doing this stuff on his uh, blog while he's over in Germany about America's Holocaust and never coming to, to name and honor the suffering of slaves and slavery and how we just try to pretend she talked, Austin talked about this. We try to pretend like it didn't Mm -hmm. happen, you know, or, you know, when, 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 when white privilege is, is, uh, so, you know, I guess it would be felt more like black disprivilege that would, that would, um, that would make me really angry. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, like if I'm, if I'm growing up in Arkansas, you know, even even growing up beneath the poverty line in Arkansas, my privilege was I turned on the TV and saw people that looked yeah, like yeah, me. yeah, yeah. You know, the the podcast with Fate Haygood was so helpful for me because I watched Superman a thousand times. I kid you not, a thousand times growing up, and just you know, all my to this day, all my clothes are red, blue, and yellow. <laughs> I realize this says some deep seated stuff about me, but but. <laughs> Superman looks. It is the cruel joke of God to make me love Superman and look like this. (laughs) Wait, hold on. Why is it yellow in there? Uh, Yeah, let's make him a little pudgy in the middle. Are you kidding me? Have you ever seen Christopher Reeve Superman? No, isn't just like. Speaking of anger, Austin. Okay, whatever. The 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 yellow is on the belt. It's on insignia on the cape. Okay. All, All right, let's have. let's go back to Austin. Um, no, okay, okay, but your point was that you grew up watching characters that had your same complexion. And fate, right, and fate, you know, for him to see like a – I think the term is af- Afrofuturism. Um, like th- but that's a thing, and Black Panther kind of made it mainstream. Hmm. Um, but just to hear that made me think, man – I, that was a privilege that I had that my black friends growing up yeah, they, did yeah. not. And it does something to you. It captures your imagination. You know, you're not always told stories about you being in slavery or the civil rights movement. You have, you're like your actual whole human being outside of that, you know, part of the, the legacy of black people in America. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that. And I can understand that. I think so. The rage stuff, like, how do you make it productive? Um, the ball, not not productive. Well, on, but here's rage the, is productive. Pride, okay, but prideful. the Baldwin's, yeah. How do you make Baldwin's it line was, to be black is to have rage almost all the time. And I think Austin's move mm-hmm. was, you make it a creative force. If you're doing something, like that was her move. It right. seems like if, if I, I'm going to have this rage. Because I see injustice and inequity and things that aren't right. And so I'm going to use this to, to move forward. I, I don't know mm-hmm. what it's like. I don't have the experience to, to know personally what that would be like. I, I think that's a great answer, though. If, if you're going to use the anger that you have for a creative force, I think that's very telling. Yeah, um, yeah I, I feel like this is a conversation that maybe uh, – I don't know if it's one I want to – be the leading voice on it. I probably need to be listening more than, and, and I don't hear you oh, saying yeah, anything no. other than that, but two, yeah, two white guys fix. Yeah. But, but I think that's what, like, but America, no, but, but I think that's what her book does is it gives us chance that you don't have to be in the room with Austin. You can listen to her, read, read her story, read other stories, read Coates story, read, um, you know, Solomon North of, you know, whoever, I mean, you're, you're reading these stories of people have experienced different years and, Coats, who is that? I hate you. Who's Coats? I hate that you do that to me. Well, I was just, but uh, it's be- between the world and me. Yeah, that's, it's, that's who name. I'm talking about. There's, can you say it? Can you that say guy, it? But I just, his first name. Uh, I already you, said that I can't. You go I first. Can't say it. Okay, I cannot say so many things. That's one of the things they make fun mm-hmm. of me around here. My pronunciation. Really, is I poor. never knew that about you. So it's, it's one of those things that I overlooked. Mouth. And 
I inherited it. Okay, I came good. by it naturally. Uh, okay, here's something that's interesting. Um, I think it was on the podcast. But Austin was talking about how many white podcasts, white male podcasts she's been on. Oh, yeah. It's fascinating, right? And yeah. so I, it seems like her book has done really well. There's been a lot of buzz that I've seen on social media. Uh, Brene Brown tweeted about it. Um, Chelsea Clinton tweeted about it. Um, Schmidt from New Girl. Do you know that guy? Uh, he, he did mm-hmm. a social media post yeah. about it. Maybe it was Instagram. And it's like a lot of people, but there's an interesting like common dynamic. It's like you have a lot of white podcasters on, and then you have a lot of people that I've seen tweeting about it. For, and again, that's my limited perspective that I don't have a full picture of everyone who's talking about it. But there's a, a lot of the traction that I saw was from white listeners and, and white, white readers, which yeah. is a, it's fascinating. Well, she's, addre- she's, she's addressing white people, right? Like, I, I like that first line, white people can be so annoying. You know, sometimes I look... In, I like, bet she had a lot of inspiration in that podcast. There it was. You got the joke. You got the joke <laughs> first. That's fine. Yeah. There you go. You got it. You got it. There's such a sense I know. of loss on I, your I face was getting right to something, now. and then you just beat me to it. That's fun. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, so, okay, here's here's a, a a real question that I I have, and obviously, me and you aren't going to be able to answer this. So, I would like to find this out from um my friends on the margins. What is somebody who like? So you you're a white male podcaster. You check all the boxes. Um. I'm a, a white dude preacher, and um, wh- what do you do? Out- so outside of, of centering other voices, um, what do you do to help be a part of the solution? Because I, I do feel like, and me and you talked about this the other day, there's this moment where Hillary Clinton in the election, did no, you watch that YouTube it. video? So it's like a 30-second video where uh, I know about it from the New York Times because they said this is a, if she would have done more like this, then she would have had a better shot at the election because it felt like she dropped her guard and she was talking to leaders in the Black Lives Matter movement who were saying, like, you can't understand our perspective, which is a mm-hmm. legitimate thing to say. Um, I will never know what it's like to be a black man or woman in the U.S. Um, but... She, her her point was, as somebody who was running for a position of power that could actually maybe help some change change some stuff, um, her point was, what do you want? What do you want me to do? Would you like for me to just go talk to white people, and and you go to- talk to black people, or would you like me to try to like work towards the common good and you know tell your stories, center them, you know that kind of thing, and. There was a real moment, and it, the question kind of lingers for me because there, it, the video cuts out. There's no real answer. Um, I do think the Black Lives Matter said no, we don't want that because you know they don't have centralized leadership, so it wasn't like any particular spokesperson. But <clears throat> I, I don't know the answer to that question. Like, I, I, I it rings throughout church for me. Like, uh, there's been all these articles that have come out in the last two years about how um, racially diverse churches are um, starting to decline, like starting to, people are starting to separate into different tribes based on, you know, skin color or, or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. country they came from and, um, and how that's the future. Tribalism, you know, is the future. And it does seem like the Christian story pushes against that. In fact, I think the reason American and Western culture senses like something's wrong with that and they don't know why is because of the Mm. Christian story. So maybe the rise of tribalism is also the decline of... Yeah, that's... Yeah. I would like to think that the future of what church is going to look like is that it's going to continue to become more of God's intention. That the moral arc the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And I think justice is... Everyone having a seat at the table, everyone having a voice, everyone being able to participate, 
regardless of where you come from. But um, yeah, that it's not easy to do that. And I, I can see why tribalism is a far easier option for many of us, that you just want to have people who look like you, sound like you, talk like you next to you. And that's human nature. Yeah, yeah. And maybe, you know, because the, the white population in America and really across the world is in pretty sharp decline, maybe as uh, kind of demographics balance out, you know, that that dynamic changes. Yeah. Would you think as America you know becomes more diverse that the church would naturally do that as well? I mean, it almost... I hope so. I mean, for for years, church growth strategists have said, you know, you've got to, you want to pick a demographic and just hone in on those. And I don't like that strategy, but I also celebrate its demise because um, if you want a church to to grow in the future, I would imagine you would have to change strategies yep. like because the world is becoming yep. much more diverse. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Suzanne was back on talking about her new book, the path She's, between. I like how sad. Yeah. I've had a couple of people you. say that like, yeah, I like how Suzanne just gives you the business. And I feel like that's not maybe one of her strong suits. I feel like she should be more uh, considerate of me, but uh, in spite of that. No, I really, I think it's a spiritual gift. I felt like the Lord was reaching through her at that moment. and Yeah, that's not, that's not true. Know, How much do you find yourself using the Enneagram in your preaching? You mean like Does it, these? I, I don't find it in the preaching. I find it in uh, like interactions with people. You know, I've had, I've had three interactions today where I, I've said things like, well, you yeah. know, he's an eight. And so you've, Do you, when you're talking to someone you don't, like, officially know their number, but you're engaging with them in a substantial conversation, and you start to assume, okay, I I assume what number, you might be an eight, so this is how I'm going to act in light of what I assume your number to be? Have you ever done that? No. uh, uh, Yeah, I guess I have done that, but most of the time I go something like, what's your Enneagram number? Do you know it? And then we go off on a rabbit trail of... Trying to figure out, you know, if they say, what's the Enneagram, then we talk no. about that for about yeah, 20 minutes. I think the more and I use it, the more helpful, or the more I get to know the Enneagram, the more helpful I find it to be. And, I, yeah, I, I, I went to her, um, she had like an intensive in Austin after the, uh, the podcast that we did, and just fascinating, Can, learning more li- layers to it. And, uh, anyway, I'm all in, buying all the stock on the Enneagram. 100% on board. All the stock. I'm on. Oh, you are? Would you Would you consider yourself an expert? Uh, I think... After going to that intensive? <laughs> Did you get your PhD? Yeah, see, I, those Instagram? letters actually mean something to me, so I don't just casually and flippantly throw them around. <laughs> Though I do have a nameplate that is my dad's. He and, my, he and I share initials, and his says Dr. L.A. Norsworthy. And do I have that in my office? Yes, I do. But, um, you know... <laughs> Gosh, you're abusing no, it's because it's my dad. So that's why I have it. I'm looking for it right now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm sure you don't disabuse people the notion that it could be you. Come on, Jonathan. (sighs) Are there more people with PhDs at your current church or your new church? Uh, At my current church. Randy Harris told me. When I was leaving, he goes, Jonathan, you've been getting criticism for eight years from professionals. Now you're just <laughs> going to get it from amateurs. You know. <laughs> okay, so I'm at Preaching Highland two weeks, uh, for those who don't know. And I, my intern had a suggestion for what I should say. And he goes, yeah, it's this Greek word, and this is how you parse it. And if it's this tense, it means this thing. Yeah, you should preach about that. I'm like, there's no way I want to bring up Greek. At Highland, like where I've actually had Greek professors who are sitting there going, Luke, I've seen you in Greek uh, class. I don't think you should be doing this. Anyway, so you can do. Dude, for, for about six months, I was like that. And then not at all. Not at all. Um, the, I, I can tell you that for the longest time when I talked about Lent for like three years, I said, and I, I got this from my Mars Hill podcast. Like, I think Shane Hip said it. 
Um, I said Lent is the Latin word meaning spring. Forty. Or no, yeah. meaning forty. No, whichever yeah. one's wrong. I said spring. And Jeff Childers and so many people at Highland know Latin. So many. Mike Cope once put up uh, uh, on PowerPoint, if you can read this, you're overeducated. He put that up in Latin and uh, laughter <laughs> started spreading throughout the auditorium. So, I mean, anyway, I used to say that for years. I said Lent, Lent is Latin for spring and Jeff Childers would, <laughs> would just lower his head and shake. <laughs> How is this happening? <laughs> I was a part of bringing <laughs> this guy here. Oh, Why? goodness. Goodness, goodness, goodness. Well, um, you're going to do great. I look forward to hearing how it goes. Um, and Oh, yeah, um, Meryl. Let's, uh, Meryl's great. We had a good conversation about music. I think we got it. He is. One of the things, you got it all. You don't need to. Yeah, one of the things I was thinking about when I was listening to you and Meryl um, banter is the stuff the difference between um, uh, when he talked about sacred and secular, and you know how all of it is all of music is really transcendent and stuff? I, I think there was a Rob Bell sermon that I heard one time talk about. Uh, no, it was a book where he says basically sacred places matter. Not because they're the only place you can meet God, but because you learn to meet God everywhere else at them. And, yeah, it is. It's really good. But here's the challenge I think that we're, we're currently facing. I think the special, having you know special holy things is really important for those exact reasons. And I think we often try to, like, uh, make the one move and not the other. That everything, yeah. You know? It's really, everything's holy. Yeah, but some stuff is holy, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, um, uh, church is, the church for me is the state park. Well, good. I'm glad the church taught you that. But, like, if you if you don't, you know, like, you have, you have to have some place where you learn how to experience God in other places. And this is, I mean, this is... This is what Rob's talking about in the Leviticus stuff. Like, the whole point of God making a special group of people was to bless the whole world. Um, so it's, you know, really, but you have to, you know, there are, the tension between the special and the universal, I think, you know, Merrill, Merrill can see God in all this different kind of music because he has deeply yep. trained himself. To be able yeah, to see God good. everywhere. But, yeah. But, okay, I don't you know, know if what I'm you are uh, social media friends with Joel Houston of Hillsong United, but he did a <laughs> he did a post the other day in which someone asked him about uh, I don't know if you follow him. That's why I said that. But someone made a didn't he like like a tweet oh, of yours or something? But uh, he he said. <laughs> I thought that's where we were going. That's where I thought well, we were going. I'm he sorry. liked a tweet of mine. Whatever. I'm sorry. Did he? Okay, I know. Didn't he? Here's. I can tell it. You okay, totally I know, know if Joel retweets here. me because all of a sudden it gets like about a billion times more social media traction than if I did it on my own. So yeah, oh, like, yeah, yeah. Rick used to say that about when Max Licato would retweet him. All of a yeah. sudden, his phone would just. No, yeah. Well, what's happening now? If I go on and like, is this the twenty plus thing on Twitter? I guess that's the limit or something that I, or at least for me, uh, like twenty plus notifications. It's because Joel like retweeted some. Anyway, what I was saying before, name drops keep falling on my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I never you have. Use that before because that's um, actually pretty. That's uh, pretty great. That's, that's from someone else's book title, I think. But. Um, where was it? Oh, so Joel had someone ask him why he uses the word like evolution in uh, the song "So Will I." So like new song by Hillsong United, it's or Hillsong whatever, and great song, but it has that word. And so he responds and he makes this comment about how science and Christianity aren't at odds, but you know evolution is God's creative work and blah blah. blah. So he had like causes this hubbub on Twitter. People didn't like that, obviously. And then someone responded back to him because I, I can't believe Joel Houston calls himself a worship leader. 
and you know believes blah 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 blah. And Joel responded, "I never call myself a worship leader. I've never used that term." And I kind of like that. Like like there's a place for artists. Yeah. There's a place for musicians. We don't need a special designation. Yeah. Which I think responds to the diminishment of the value of God in the other space. I can see your point, though, like that there needs to be a sacred space that teaches you to see God in everything. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Christianity is paradoxes, right? And all of, all of Christian history is basically um, people forgetting one side of the paradox and, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, if somebody was making the argument, this is why I'm a contrarian. I don't think it's Christianity just because of Christianity paradox. that you're a contrarian. I feel like there's some well, nature. And because I spend nurture, a lot of time with you. That sort of thing. You know? Okay. Well, Jonathan, <laughs> not to be contrarian, but we're done. That's it. No. Um, All right. Jonathan, we wish you well. Good tidings. Uh, month of July, no podcast, so you, we'll have you back at the end of August. Um, August, we've got some good podcasts lined up. I'm not sure exactly the order of them, but I know uh, Aaron Nequist has got a new book out. Um, uh, Austin Fisher, uh, he's never been on the show. I know he's got a book we're probably going to do with him. Jonathan Merritt's doing a live one down in Austin in August. Uh, Craig Groeschel's people just set something up with me. That might go in July, but it's going to be recorded in August. Um, what else do we have? There's the old, uh, I got reached out to by uh, the old Tebow people. He's got a book coming out. I, I, I told him, yeah. Is that happening? Connect with me when, when it comes around, but I, I'm interested. We'll, we'll see if it happens. I don't know. But um, I, I would love to hear his take on Oh, take goodness, because he, he was the first one to take a knee. Yeah, yeah no. like, hmm. for different reasons. A lot of good questions. Yeah. A lot of good questions there. Anyway, so we've got a good month. August uh, lined up. September will be full too, and then before we know it, October second gets here. You know what's happening October second? Cool. Annie Downs. Uh, Annie Downs has a new talk book. About it comes out. She does. Same day. Best book. Best book will come <laughs> it, out that day. Will, I bet. Probably Don't do you think? a Don't whole think? lot better than mine uh, commercially <laughs> for sure. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Jonathan, good luck cleaning out your office. Thanks, man. Signing off for the last time from 425. Right. Leave me some mints or gum in the office so I can have it when I get there. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned. <laughs>